Um, we can do the announcements later, but today we're going to, um, to uh, get in position. Say in position. In position. And we're going to get prepped for our season. We have um, this Sunday is um, a personal word, and it's also a corporate word. And then next week we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus and happy birthday, Jesus. And we're going to do some um, um, things to celebrate him, to remember he is a reason for the season. And then on the 27th, um, we are going to... Um, talk about the vision for next year. We're going to do vision casting. So la this year it was build a brand, and so I'm excited about where we're going in 2016. But let's look at Isaiah 43. Today, um, the majority of where we're going to be is in Isaiah 43, and it's not a new scripture um, to some of us. To some of us, we've read it before, we've heard it before, but um, I believe it can do something new where you are at this particular time in your life. Um, say this out loud. Pastor Darrell said this during worship, and I don't know if he caught it, but I heard it. And say this out loud with me. A, um, the, promise the promise is still a promise. Okay, the promise that God made you is still a promise. It did not delete. It did not go anywhere else. The promise is still a promise. So if you have a piece of paper, I think Sister Clara has some extra paper, but I want you to have paper or take it on your phone would be good. Do it in an email, whatever you have, wherever way you're going to keep it. If you have your tablet, your iPad, whatever, um, you need to anchor this so that you have, remember Habakkuk, he said, write the vision, right? So that when you see it, you can run with it. So I I want you to have this because for um, um, uh, for 2016, you need to be able to go back and relate to this. Amen. So what we're going to do is right before we start, if you, um, I want you to get a glimpse. Okay, get a glimpse. Um, get a glimpse of what you're believing God to do. Let's get a glimpse. Um, and, it, and it can be in every phase of your life because we have our relationships, we have our careers, we have um, our, our families, we have uh, things that we want God to do. So I need you to create a list. And as we're, as we're going through the message, it's okay to keep adding things to the list because you need to be able to hear what God is going to be doing for you in the, okay, I know that's why I'm not mad at you, Sister Claire, about her whole envelope, okay? Um, uh, I am not mad at you. So yesterday, um, the women, I gave them three things that God, the three of the shifts that God was going to take as you come up against um, the, the attacks to accomplish these things, amen? So um, we're looking to see what God is going to do in our personal lives. So whether it is what you're going to do, um, this is a big year for Nicole, Nicole 2016, Nicole will be graduating from high school and going to college, all right? And she already got one acceptance letter. <laughs> Breathe, Joshua. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She wants to study vet, um, uh, 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 to be a vet, and the number three school in the country accepted her already. Already. So that's a big step in 2016. Um, and you're not going alone. We're right there with you. Stephanie can breathe and you can take it. We're going, she may not go to Colorado, but they've accepted her. And so you want to have things like that in front of you, okay? You want to um, be able to get a tangible expression of, of, of where God, where the, your potential lies. So it could be in a new school. It could be in a new um, um, house in the OA. It could be in closing a deal. It could be in all kinds of things. It could be what you've been waiting for since 2001 right. and you've been waiting but right. this is the thing I need you to know every year is a building block okay yeah. so what we see is that yeah. we always we always go into these these new years saying okay my resolution is and we're not looking at resolutions we're looking at the promises of God because the promise is still a promise yeah. so if it didn't happen in 2015 or 2013 or wherever what we want to what we want to recognize is we God has been building to prep you to handle it Okay, just say that with me. God's been building me to prep me to handle it. Okay, he's been building you, Jarrell, to prep you to handle it. So what you think is no activity, what we're going to see is there has always been activity. You're waiting for your exam reviews, your exam um, uh, grade to come through. So that'll determine your career, right? So Natoya took a big exam and she has to wait till 2016 to get the answer. That is nerve wracking. But while you're waiting, God is building you. Okay, he's putting things in place for you to handle the promise that is coming. And so we trust him that every year it's a building block. Amen? Every year it's a building block. Now I want to give you a spiritual definition of a year because we know a year to be defined as four seasons. Okay? Four seasons, right? Uh, 52 weeks, 
365 days, sometimes 356, uh, 300, yeah, 357. Um, but it's it, it's 12 months. But a year is broken down into four seasons. And what God wants you to know is that a year is the completion of the necessary seasons in your life. So if you are asking God to move you forward to bless your relationships, oh, you don't have to. You, can you go back? Um, I'm sorry, you can go back to the beginning. I haven't got there yet. Um, that you're, a year is the necessary, the completion of the necessary seasons of your life. So whatever he's going to do in you, there are certain seasons that you have to go through in order for you to handle where you're going and what you have asked him for. So say it again. The promise is still a promise. I just have to get prepped for it, okay? So let's look at Isaiah 43. We're going to live in Isaiah 43 today, and I want to look at verses 18 through 19, um, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. But before we go to the beginning, let's look at what God said in the middle of your situation, okay? So Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, and I love the amplified of this. He said, do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Can't you feel it? Don't you know it? Will you not give heed to it? I will even, say even, even make a way in the wilderness and rivers, not a drop of water, not a well, but I will make rivers in the desert, not a pond. A pond is a still body of water. Rivers are when there's a constant flow, okay, constant flow. So what we know in Psalm 1, he said we are planted by the rivers. Everything the tree needs, he said you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So he said I will make rivers in the desert. Do not remember the former things. Now coming into verse 18 he had just reminded them of greater things he did so he's not saying to totally eradicate it from your mind he said but some of us get so caught up in what God did we can't imagine that he would do anything even deeper than that so we just kind of live in our old testimony okay oh you wouldn't believe what God did for me in 1977 and God said behold I'm doing something new in 2016 2020 2025 there is something extraordinary that's going to happen he said so don't keep holding on here when I want you to come be focused on what I'm about to do here. And so these are two things that he said. There might be a wilderness. There might be a desert. There might be a wasteland, one translation says, where it looks like nothing can grow. He said, but I am going to make life appear in the middle of those dead things, okay, in 2016. So now let's go back to the beginning of Isaiah 43, and let's hear what he said. So we know that a year, remember what I said, a year is the completion of the necessary seasons in our life. So we need to understand what is God doing to get us to the new? But um, one of the things that I, I, when I read this, I was, I was somewhere because we've been gone for the last two or three weeks and I was somewhere and this scripture popped across my, you know, I was actually looking for something else in Isaiah and I saw this, um, um, I am doing a new thing. And I'm like, Lord, I read this over and over and over and over and over again. He said, yeah, but you've never considered what it means to be new. We have our concept of words, but what happened is we have our concepts of words and we never consider to delve into that word and see what it means. So we have a little word like therefore or however or yet. You know, I've, I've, some of you have heard me preach about yet. Uh, we're a pastor. I was on the East Coast and, and I was with a pastor, Jamal Bryant, and we were at dinner and one of the guys at the table said, Teresa, are you married? And I said, no, I'm not married. And Pastor Bryant said, yet. And I said, okay. He said, you got to say yet. And I said, I got you. Okay, I'm not married yet. He said, yet means it hasn't happened, but it's going to. So don't just say, I'm not married. He said, just say, I'm not married what? Yet. I said, I got it. Okay, here's your offering. I'm paying for dinner. I got it yet. Okay, yet. So we have to look at the words that God is saying to us so we can capture them. So let's look at the word new so that you can understand what God is about to do. New is when you are the later or the latest of two or more things of the same kind. Okay? Being the latter or the latest of two or more things of the same kind. So um, I, my mom has an iPad and I have an iPad. They're both iPads, but hers is an older version than mine. So uh, this, this one, I can't use her plug for this one because hers is the older version with the wide with the wide attachment but for this one they've streamlined things and it's a little it's a smaller attachment so you might say oh well i mean i have an ipad yeah, I have an iPad too. But when it dies, I can't be recharged by the old. I have to have something new. So it is the same, it is the same component. It's the version two things, 
but this is the latest version of that thing. So they get us in, in, in all the marketing strategies because they go, oh, you may have an iPhone, but do you have an iPhone 6S354? You may have a Samsung, you know, I was at church and I, 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 we, I was uh, at the soundboard with Dave and, and Josh and I laid my phone down and they both said at the same time, what's that? And I was like, ah, this is the new Samsung Galaxy Note. They were like, but we both have the Note, but this is the new Note. So we all three had notes, but I had the latest version of the note. And so when I went into the store, I told the lady, I love Samsung phones, but this, my current Samsung phone isn't flowing with me. And she said, that's because you're trying to use a personal phone for business situations. So she said, let me upgrade you, come over here and get a Galaxy Note, and it'll take you into all the business apps. So when I turned it on, it had all the Microsoft components. It had all of the Microsoft at this, and it had all of these components for business, memo things, stuff pops up on my phone and I don't know where it came from. And it's like, oh, you need to make a note? You don't have to go in and find it right here. Just tap, boom, put a picture, take a picture of something and remind yourself later. And I'll set the date for you. I'll sing to you. I'll talk to you. If you are in, we were going through all these cities. When we were in Pittsburgh, my screensaver was all these monuments in Pittsburgh. Then we took the train to DC and everything was DC. Then we got on the train and went to Philly. All the pictures were in Philly and I was like, I can't keep up with you. So then we ended up in Detroit. So I took my new Samsung phone in my friend's house. I didn't have to go on the internet and put, I asked him for the code, but when I went to click his internet, my phone, my Samsung phone stored his, this is a new phone. It remembered that I had been at his house before and everything poured in. So God said, don't worry, it's new, but I got you. I got you. I got you. It's upgrade. You don't have to go look for passwords. I'm going to save you time because this is the latest version. This is the latest. So God is saying to you that you are one person in 2015. You're another person in 2016. So what God is saying, I can't take the old you into new territory. So I have to make you the latest version of your own self in order for you to handle where you are about to go. He said, you may have the same name, but what I'm about to do in you is that you can't be the old Teresa with the old mindsets. Now, this is the other, the other part of the word new. It also means this, of a kind now existing or appearing for the first time. So it's unfamiliar or strange. So I don't know all that I'm going to be in 2016. It's unfamiliar to me. It's a new kind. It's, it's of a new breed. It's going to appear for the first time. So I can't fully tell you who I'm about to become, but the promise is still a promise. I know what God promised me. So what God will say is this, I will give you a glimpse of where you're going. My nephew moved here for college and we were talking last night in the car. He was talking about hooking up with his old, with the old coach that had drafted him before. And he said, now this coach is at a new college. So he's already making it work out to where it looks like in 2016, he will still be a football player, but he won't be wearing the same jersey he is now. He's going to a new place. So you're, oh, I still have my number. My number is 24. I'll just come on your team and I'll wear my jersey, my 24 jersey. No, 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 no. We have different colors. So, so I know you have cleats. I know you have pads. I know you have a jersey. But that stuff is old. And when order, I'll, I'll let you keep the 24, but you can't put it on this You can't take that old jersey onto a new team. And so you don't know where you're going. So you have to be able to understand, I know I'm going somewhere. I know I'm going somewhere. I don't know where I'm going, but it's going to be strange. So when God starts to shift your life, and you're going, well, who is this person? And how did I meet this? And where am I going over here? God is saying, I got you. I got you. I got you. We, we, were, we thought we were going to leave Philadelphia. We thought we would be in L.A. by 4. We thought we could pick the dog up from the kennel. We thought all this stuff. And then we, we thought all this. And we get to the airport and the flight's delayed. Everybody going to LA got rerouted on a direct flight. So one of the guys in the, in the airport was yelling and screaming. He was a grown man. You can hear him. Now, you've been in the airport terminal. You could hear him from gate A1 to gate A20. And he was screaming and hollering. And so some of us, we get rerouted in life. It's unfamiliar. It's strange. We don't understand where we are, so we go into tantrum mode. We go into worry mode. We go into, but it's not working. I don't understand why things are, 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 are blocked for me. And the guy said, the plane is right there, but the door is closed. So God is saying, yes, I closed this door on you, and you can't go. 
So you're looking at your friends. They're all on the plane looking at you through the window. Hey, we going to L.A., what? They're in Minneapolis, snow on the ground. And we're like, L.A. bound. I got my shorts on. And you're outside of it going, but it's right here, Lord. Why can't I get what they have? Why can't I get the, the part that they have? And God is saying, that ride won't take you to where you're going. Yeah. It won't take you. So I will let you sit here and look at a closed door and look at everybody in their seat all set up. They got everything that they want, and you're sitting here on the outside looking in. So I get a notice on my phone, remember my latest Samsung phone, and it says, oh, there's four flights available. You can go through New York and have a one-hour layover. You can go through New York and have a three-hour layover. You can go through Detroit and have a two-hour layover. And we're like, oh, we know people in New York. We know people in Detroit, but we just want to go back to L.A. because that's our destination. And so this girl walks up. She goes, hey, you were on the L.A. flight. I just got rerouted. I'm leaving at 5 p.m. Direct flight. I get into L.A. at 7. I was like, oh, pray. Good, good for you. Okay, let me try. So we call. And we're like, the app is saying this, but there's a 5 o'clock flight. No, no. Not for you. And I watch her go into her gate. Bye. I'm going to go grab me some Starbucks. Okay, I, I'm still not taken care of. All the L then another guy that was sitting right next to us. Did y'all get set? I'm going on the 7 p.m. direct to L.A. Hold on, we're still on the phone, three of us. Bags everywhere. Grace is crying. And we're sitting there, well, Lord, are you going to remember us? Your servants, Lord? Are you going to hook us up? and get us somewhere lord I, they got where they're going they got where they're going they got theirs they got a new house we went we were in pittsburgh daryl's uh, cousin got a brand new house split level three level and then he said i got this house for a hundred thousand dollars i said okay first of all in la that wouldn't get you the front step a hundred thousand dollars and then you're in a brand new house brand, granite appliances i was like lord are you sure are you sure we're in the right city he's i'm sure then we go in my cousin's house, and we're driving on the highway, and I, throw, I literally, I'm me and my little 20-year-old cousin, and we're on uh, one of the turnpikes in, in New Jersey. I slam on the brake and pull over in the service road, and she was like, what are you doing? I said, take a picture of that gas sign. That gas is 170. I have not seen a one. She said, you can't do this. I said, people be, pull, go. I need proof that gas was 170 in Jersey. I was like, I don't understand why I don't live here anymore. She was like, cousin, go drive. I was like, no, take a picture. I'm not moving until you take a picture. So I said, your assignment is wherever we go, take pictures of gas signs. And she was like, are you serious? And so my cousin, you know, he has his house, he has a swimming pool. Then we go upstairs, he, re he remodeled his bath. And he said, oh, and our mortgage is still da, 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 da. And I was like, Lord, this isn't fair. So we're going to all these cities, seeing everybody getting hooked up. Everybody's blessed. And they're like, um, when we come to L.A., can we stay with you? Well, we only got two bedrooms, and we're paying five times as much as you. So, no, that's not. And our, uh, our living room, our little space where the couch is, you know, in L.A., you can't. They're like, oh, okay. You know, you got three levels, and y'all running around room for everybody. No, we don't have it like that in L.A. So you go, God, why am I here? What are you doing? Where's my place? Where do I fit? When is my business going to grow? When am I going to get? Then we go um, and we're in the airport. So we're still trying to figure out. And Grace was like, Mommy, I told you this morning, which she did, we're going on three planes today. And I said, no, baby, you don't even understand how deep that is to do three planes, especially with you, a four-year-old. Three planes. She said, Mommy, I told, God told me three planes. So when we got through our second plane, I, they, we were about to get in our third plane. And I said, I know what God told you, but we're going to stop right here real quick. But anyway, we had prayed in January. We're on the plane. And Darryl, Pastor Darrell told me, he said, remember, we played, prayed in January. Lord, get us to Detroit so we can see Bishop Mary. Get us so we can see our spiritual dad. Get us to Detroit. Never worked out. We tried to go for every special event they had. Never got, never, uh, never got there. The plane was about to take off. They rerouted everybody nonstop to L.A., but they put us, the only flight available was going to Detroit. The plane, we were on the runway, the runway, and I pulled out my phone, and I text Pastor Jonathan, and I said, we're coming through Detroit. I think we're going to stay. I don't know what God is doing. Get ready. And I hit send, and the plane took off. I didn't even know if he got it. But needless to say, we were in Detroit, saw the whole family. God rerouted us, and then we stayed. God, they picked us up. God, everything worked out. And, and then they, they were like, we're so excited to see you. You've been going to see everybody else, and you finally came here. But 
but it took a closed door on the plane. It took us missing the five, missing the seven, missing all these flights in order to us to get a blessing. I'm walking down the hallway. We got to sleep till 10. The bed was so comfortable. I text his wife from my bedroom and said, this bed is so comfortable. I, I might see you at noon. I, I just, I don't know what you did to these sheets. And she was like, just lay there. Just breakfast will be ready. I mean, it was just beautiful to be with family. And then I was walking down the hallway. Watch this, Kenny. I'm walking down the hallway and the guy said, you brought trip insurance. Call the airline. You're about to get paid back for all the money you spent on the whole trip. You got trip insurance. So you just went to Pittsburgh, to DC, to Philly. Now you're in Detroit, and I'm about to pay you back for all of it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And I'm looking through the insurance policy to see what, I, I was like, what, what, it's not snowing. What is, and, he, and I called the man, I said, you gotta tell me if this fits. He said, well, so he reads, I'm going to read all the reasons why the insurance, and he's going through, and I said, am I in there? I don't even know. You just read so many. He said, yes, your point number seven, three, it, it was a delay from the carrier, right? It wasn't you. Yes, it was a delay from the carrier. If you just keep all of your expense receipts, we will refund you. Oh, and you have three tickets, so that means every ticket is insured. So every ticket will be responded. And I was like... You better work, God. But it took a closed door. It took missing the 5 o'clock, the 7 o'clock. It missed leaving Philly, coming late, doing this. And then for God to say, I'm trying to reroute you to a miracle. I'm trying to reroute you to pay you back. I'm trying to reroute you to redeem your time. And so that's what God is saying. It's new. This is something new. This is you paying for a ticket and getting your money back. This is new. This is you praying to ask me to send you somewhere and I send you there for free. This is new. This is new. I'm doing something different in you. And so I said, well, God, how do you do it? He said, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you the four ways that I do it. So Isaiah 43, verse 1. Look at how he says. Look at, look at, look at what he said. And he said, and I kept, I was on the plane and I kept reading Isaiah 43. He said, everything you need for 2016 is right here and I said Lord I don't see it he said look but now say now. now see you he has to tell you where you are now for you to understand where you're going the promise is still a promise but now in spite of past judgments for Israel's sins thus saith the Lord he who what created, created you oh Jacob now hold on to that Jacob and he who formed you what oh Israel fear not look at somebody and say fear not fear not it's going to be unfamiliar. It's going to be strange. You don't know. It might be a closed door, but what? Fear not. For I have what? Redeemed you. I have ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captives. I have called you by your name and you are mine. So these are the four strategies that God is going to take you through in 2016 to get you to the new. To get you to the new. To be the latest version of you to be the latest version of you. He's gonna create, form, redeem, and call. You can go to the other slide. This is how he's gonna do it. Create you, form you, redeem you, and then he's gonna call you. Now remember that a year is what? The completion of all the necessary seasons in your life, okay? So every year is a building block. New is being the latest version of the same thing, a kind now existing or appearing for the first time. So this is what he will do for you. I hope you can see it at the bottom. He will create you. A year is a completion of all the necessary seasons in your life. What are the four seasons? Fall, winter, spring, and summer. So when he creates you, he's taking you into your fall. So before he does something new, he has to take off everything that's holding you back. Okay, so what he has to do is he has to prune you so that you can grow more. So you're saying, Lord, take me into being new. Take me into my new career. Take me into my new contract. Take me into my new property. Take me into this. Take me into this. He said, well, before we go forward and I add to you, I got to cut you back. So that's why you're standing on the outside while they're inside, buckled up, about to watch their movie, and you're like, wait, wait, I'm supposed to be there. And God says, no, uh, -uh I had to cut you back. You can't roll with them. I, you can't roll with them. So remember when Abraham was going with Isaac, remember what he said? He said, Lord, where's the ram? Where's the bull? He said, God himself is going to provide the sacrifice that we need. But I know we're going to go up and he's going to cut some things back. So in order for you to grow, he's got to prune you to create more in you, to get you where you're going. He's got to cut you back to the skeleton version of yourself.
So he makes you like Gideon. You have too many friends. You have too much money. You have too many resources. Gideon had an army of 30,000. Before he knew it, God cut him down to 300 and said, now you're ready to win a war. No, Lord, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. Ah, no, 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 no. He's creating. So this is what he said in the beginning in Isaiah 43, 1. Did you catch it? He said, thus saith the Lord, he who created you, Jacob. What was Jacob? What, who was Jacob? Jacob's name meant trickster. He meant you, you run game on people. You're a manipulator. You try to take things into your hand to make it work. And so God said, you can't go into the new being a manipulator. So I have to cut you off. I have to cut the manipulation and the trickster and the robbery off of you in order for you to be new. So I created you as Jacob, but Jacob is the 2015 you. Israel is a 2016 you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jacob is a 2015 you. Oh, well, I got to make this happen. I got to get this deal. I got to call who I know. I got to make this. I got I got a friend that works at such and such, and I'm going to make this, and I can, I can call in a favor over here. And God said, that was you doing you. Now let me do you. But before he could get renamed, he had to fight for it. And so God said, I'm going to have to cut you back for you to be able to handle being Israel. So he said, I created you, Jacob, but I'm forming you into Israel. Jacob wasn't going to be the father of the tribes. Israel was the father of the 12 tribes. You can't handle where you're going being Jacob. And God is saying, I have to cut you back. I have to make it so that your agenda does not work, so that your plans do not look prosperous, so that everything you set your hand to do fails, so that you will know, I, I, I am God. I am God. I am God. You're not God over your life. You are in charge of no thing. You are limited. You can move. You can do anything you want, but you will not succeed outside of me. And so God has to talk to the God in you to get you to become the man and the woman that he called you to be. Did you hear that? So in Psalm 139, he said, even if you make your bed in hell, I will roll up beside you in hell and say, I'm still God. I still formed you. I still created you. Are you done being in charge of your life? Well, God, I, I had a couple more plans. Okay, well, I'll wait five more years. Go work out your plans. And you working, toiling, it's going to work this time. I believe it. I put my last, and I took out all my money, and I put it on my dream. And boom, nothing happened. And God says, keep on, I'll be over here. It's like Elijah, when he told the prophets, he said, y'all go on and y'all call on your Baal and your God. I'll be over here. He said, scream louder, scream louder. You want to be in charge of your life, and you don't have what it takes. When the, I, I found out how finite we were when we started this church. Because God said, I want you to start. This is the thing, I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, well, you know, Caucasian ministries start with a two bucket philosophy. And I said, he's a pastor and he was breaking it down to me and I said, two, two bucket, I don't understand. He said, before they even start, they have an idea of the, of the budget that they need. So say it's 50 grand to start a church, then they have two buckets full of $50,000 so that if they use up all the first expenses in the first bucket, they have a backup plan with the same exact budget to get them through. So if they go up, if they go down, if this happens, if that happens, they still have a reserve left over. So I said, well, we didn't start with two buckets. We didn't start with one bucket. We started with no bucket and no word, no nothing. And God says, that's where I want you to be because then you don't rely back on what you had. You rely on the supernatural power of me. And so he says, you have to realize that you are not enough. And so you, you've been being Jacob and being Jacob just doesn't work. So he starts off creating you. And then he goes into the forming stage. Romans 12.1. Let's look at Romans 12.1. Get it in your head. Romans 12.1 through 2. I forgot to give you the scripture. Romans 12.1 through 2. This is what he said. And be not what? Conformed. I forgot my prop. I had a prop, a hanger. Be not conformed by this world, but, but be what? Transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. So what he has is when we are born, we are formed, okay? We are formed. We are pliable. It's the, there, there are statistics that say if you don't accept the Lord by the time you're 18, the chances of you becoming a believer drops down almost 40 to 60% because by then you have, you've been formed into your worldview and you believe what you're going to believe. So God says, I form you. And so he says, but don't be transformed. So what happens is the enemy comes into your life and he bends you with the letdown. He bends you and transforms you by broken trust. He bends you by molestation. He bends you and breaks you by allowing your parents to be divorced. He bends you and he usually will break you before you're 12. Because the goal is to create a breach in you, a transforming breach in your forming phase before you're 12 so that it, it, it gets locked into your foundation of your life. So that by then you are now, you understand you can be hurt. You understand that people will let you down. You understand that people are going to break your heart. You understand these things. And then you say to yourself, I'm too afraid to try this. Or you go, I'm afraid of dogs because I got bit. Or you, you say these rules for your living. Oh, I don't do that because of this. I can't trust my dad because my dad was never there, so I don't trust men. I don't do this because I grew up in a foster home. So the enemy tries to transform you into this broken person living in a broken world so that you now have broken ideas and you can't, you're not prepared to get into the new. So then you become a Jacob, a trickster, because you were created and then the devil transformed you during your formidable years. So it's called your formidable years zero to 18. So he wants to create a breach and a break in you while you're young, while you're forming so that you will be too broken or you'll be limping into where you want to go. And you'll be little miss much afraid. The person who was like, I want to go up there, but I'm too broken. You, you don't know what happened to me. Oh, you had that happen to me. I had this happen to me. Oh, and it wasn't just this. I had this happen to me so that you're broken. But God says, don't be conformed but be what? Transformed. So if you go home and you take a wire hanger and unravel it at the, the top and you unhook it and you unbend it and you make it a straight piece of rod, it's been formed into a hanger, but transforming is where you undo the way it's been created and you break it and you bend it and then you create something new with the device. So it's the same material, but it's a new shape. So God comes in and says, I know that the devil tried to conform you, but I am now going to transform you. So that's why we love the movie Transformers, because they start off looking like this little car or whatever, but when the heat comes on, and when it's time for them to go to battle, they move and trip and shape, and they fit, and next thing you know, they're a big old, uh, what's his name? Uh, Optimus Prime or Bumblebee and you know uh, you know you got and so you come up and then you go you tried to conform me but when God got in the middle of my brokenness he what transformed me so don't talk to me like I'm Jacob you must be you must refer to me as Israel you must refer to me who God formed me he formed me so this is what happened the winter the winter your forming is your winter time because the winter is a powerful time the problem is we live in California and we don't see seasons. So when God is trying to do something new, we don't have a concept, you know, of what's going on. And so this is what's so deep. I went back east with this big heavy coat and God is doing something new back east where it was in the 50s and it's supposed to be in the 60s, 65 this week. And I said, God, this doesn't make sense. You come to California and it's cold. And he said, I'm flipping the script on everything, everything, everything. I'm even global warming. It's all me because I don't want you to get used to what was all the time. I'm doing something new. So what happens is the snow comes down. The seat, when, If you don't have fall, you won't have spring. Listen to me. If you don't have fall, you won't have spring because winter is the connector between fall and spring because when those leaves fall off, when the seeds fall out of the tree, they go into the ground and winter comes and the coldness pushes the seeds and everything deeper, deeper. The snow and the water and the rain pushes the seeds deeper and then the rain and the water just sit there. They just sit there with the seed. And you're up top. It's cold. My life is dreary. Nothing's happening. Nobody's coming to see me. Nobody's calling me. I was a holiday. Didn't know anybody even invite me over for dinner. I usually get text messages with a turkey and a smiley face. I didn't get any emojis this holiday. Nobody thought about me. Woe is me. And God said, you're underground. People have no idea what's going on. And I can't let them see you. You're underground. But guess what? The same people that saw you fall off and go down will be the same people that will see you spring up something totally different and new. Totally different and new. 
totally different and new. So it goes down a little brown knob into the ground, but it comes up a green, a green trunk with leaves sprouting and flowers and the colors. And God gets so creative when things are happening under the underground. So he forms you. Okay. Third thing, when you go into your screen, spring, excuse me, he does what? He redeems. Let's look at Ephesians 1. I want to read this to you. Ephesians 1. Now, um, I heard a pastor say, if you want to stay regular, don't read Ephesians 1. Because Ephesians 1 has enough power. If you want to stay average, you stick, you read everything, but leave Ephesians 1 alone. Because it's so, it's so rich, and you have to read it over and over and over. Because it says he chose you, then it says he predestined you, and then it says that he redeemed you, and then he lavished you, and he forgave you. So it's so much there. But let's look at verse 7, and, 7 through 8. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. Look at this in, in the Amplified. I want to read this to you. In him we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood, the remission, the forgiveness of our offenses, our shortcomings, and our trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor, which he lavished on us. So he redeems us and he shows people, ah, you thought they were a brown little knob. Now they're coming out a beautiful green flower, a tree, a plant, a plant, whatever you are. But you, and, you, and this is the thing, when you're under that ground and when God keeps you down and doesn't let you bloom and he doesn't let you come out and thrive and you're like, Lord, why, I'm good, I can, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. He said, not yet, not yet. And he keeps you packed under the ground. Lord, just let me burst out. Lord, I'm ready. I know I'm ready. He said, not yet, not yet, not yet. Lord, that, I, that, I'm going to miss this job if you don't don't let me come out. Not yet, not yet. Lord, we can do it. I know we, but we have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet, not yet. He keeps telling you not yet. And then all of a sudden that seed just is able to push through all the gravel, all the hell, all the torment, all the attachment, all the talking, and you push through the seed and the ground and the, and the dirt and the mud, like mom's book, The Fallen Stone. You have to understand the purpose of the mud in your life and the, and the, and the rocks and all that stuff. And God is saying, I even, this is not to be foul, but Look at what he, let, what he does. He even lets dogs come and do their business on top of you. He even lets, because he uses that too. So make sure, make sure that in your process of becoming, you can look back and say, did somebody talk about me? Did, did I lose anything? You need to be able to collect these facts about your life. What was, did I have to lay down my agenda? Okay, God's not done. You should be able to look at your life and see that those things are happening. Do I feel broke down? Do I feel discouraged? Okay, he's not finished because I, I, I haven't felt discouraged yet, so I need to be able to go through that because all these things are going to work together because he's creating me, forming me, redeeming me, and then he calls you. And then you walk into your summertime, your new life, your tangible moments, your tangible blessings where everybody sees. And so Ephesians 1, I love it because this is what he says. If you don't remember anything else, you remember this when you're down in the dumps and it looks like nothing is going for you. And I love the NIV version. If you look at Ephesians 1.11, it says, In him, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Not the purpose of your will. He works out everything with the purpose of his his will. His will. So God doesn't talk to your friends. God doesn't talk to your enemies. God doesn't ask people, should I bless them? Do you think it would be a good thing? Do you think? I, uh -uh. He says this, you were chosen and you've been predestined. So you have a destination that he's taking you to. So he's letting you know it's going to work out with my will. So what do we have to do? We have to lay our will down to get to his. Yeah. You got that? Yeah. You got to lay. And so until we do that, we won't get to where we're going. So those are the four steps. He's going to create you in 2016. I mean, he's already created you. And in 2016, he's going to start to form you. Then he's going to redeem you when you mess up. And then he's going to call you. Only God knew the next name for Jacob was what? Israel. Israel. When we were in um, going to see Daryl's grandmother, Nana Iris, she just turned 90. 
and she was like, I just don't understand why this child's name is Ordell. What does that, where did, I don't even understand that. What is this about? So Daryl was like, Nana Iris, it's not that we didn't want to name her Williams, but remember I had to do, I had to change my name because Daryl Williams was such a common name. And he said he got a passport and was heading overseas and they were like the, the, uh, the, the um, uh, what do you call when you go through customs, they were like, pulled him aside. No, you're wanted for this. You didn't pay your child support. You're the, you've done this. He was like, that's not me. I am not that Daryl Williams. And so so his middle name was Ordell. So he said, if you if I drop the Williams, Ordell is not a common name. So I'll use my middle name. And then when he got in acting, it wasn't a lot of Daryl Williams, but he was Daryl Ordell. And so I told her, I said, Nana Iris, we tried to make Grace's name, Iris Grace Ordell Williams on the birth certificate, but the hospital stopped it and said we would have to pay like $600 to have her name changed to Williams because it has to be a last name of either the father or the mother. And so she said, well, I just don't understand. But you know what God told us? He said, in order for me to do what I'm going to do with you, I can't take the Williams part of you into this place. So and when I put you guys together, I had to give you a brand new name because I'm cutting off the generational curses. I'm cutting off all of that stuff. I'm cutting off the anger that the Williams have. I'm cutting off all that. And in order for you to be the person that I want you to be, you have to be an ordeal. Your daughter has to be an ordeal. Your wife has to be an ordeal. And then they ask you, where did ordeal come from? It only came from God because the mother, his mother said, I didn't even put Ordell down. That wasn't even the name. The R wasn't even supposed to be in there. So Ordell was just a, a, a thing that God did because it wasn't supposed to be on his birth certificate as his middle name. So God will rename you in order for you to handle where you are going, where you're going, where you're going. You can't go as Jacob. It's not going to work. You can only go as Israel. Only go as Israel. You can't go as Jacob. No matter how hard you try, God is going to have to make you over. And as we close out, look at this in Isaiah 43, 2. And I want to read the message version so you can get this. Because when you think about the call that you're asking God for, the promise, the miracle, the blessing, in 2016, God is going to rename you. He's going to create you, form you, redeem you, call you. And just when you think everybody got theirs but you, he's going to say, okay, now I want to take you over here. I got everybody in place. And now I'm going to take you and move you over here and do this. And, and the way has been made. And then he redeems the time. It's just a beautiful thing when you push through and you walk into your summertime. It's just beautiful. And you're going to see that in 2016. God is going, whatever you wrote down for yourself, whatever you wrote in your phone and your notes, you need to set it as a reminder where once a week you see the promise of God pop up in your, then you need to text yourself and say, God is going to call me. God has already created me. God is reforming me. God is going to redeem me. He's calling me. I believe he's going to do it. You need to just tell yourself that every day. I don't care what's going on. I know what God said because this is how he's getting me to the new. I'm not going to understand it. It's going to be unfortunate familiar. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but I know God already made me a promise. So get that promise in your head and you say, this is what I'm going to do. Mom is working. She just got a new publishing deal and she was sitting there. She said, I used to go and write and rewrite and do this. She said, but God is flooding my mind with so much creativity that now I'm doing, I'm doing the edits, the writing and the engaging of the characters all at the same time. It's just flooding my soul. And the publishers look last week, she was supposed to have a meeting on Monday and this is what they told her. Oh, we're going to have to cancel. And you're waiting for this thing she was waiting for this deal this is one of the biggest agencies and they're like we got something for you and they canceled her Monday meeting and then they called her and I, she said this God that just gives me more time to write so now they said guess what we're gonna do we're gonna reschedule you for this coming Monday but they said oh this is even better her agent said because now I'm gonna be with the president of the company so we're gonna both call you together so it's gonna be a, even a bigger meeting than if we would have had it last Monday you wouldn't have had the president's voice on the line with you so God said in order for me to cast you, I have to delay you in order to, to redeem you and push you forward. So she gets pushed back a week, but when she talks to the president, they will be able to push it forward even faster than before. God says, you don't think I can call you? You don't think I'm going to redeem you? You don't think I'm going to do it? You don't think I'm able to make all things abound for you and call you by name? Remember, I named you. You didn't name you. I named you. He said, I know what I'm doing. And so in Isaiah 43, verse 2, he says this. So now listen to me. 
When you are in over your head, this is a message Bible, I will be there with you. When you are in rough waters, you will not go down. When you are between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. How can I tell you that? And what authority does God stand in to tell you that? He said, because I am God. I am not G, lowercase G-O-D. I am not G, lowercase O-D. When you see his name capitalized in the word like this, he is saying, I am the final authority on all things in heaven and earth. I am your personal God. I am not just God in ahead of the angel armies. I am the master of the universe. I am the wonderful counselor. I am the one true God. I am the almighty. I am the first and the last. I am at the end of your call and I am at the beginning. I am at every stop you make in order to get to the promises. I wrote your promise and I speak your the promise you think you're giving to me. The request you think you're giving to me is actually my deposit into you. So when I say you get in me and I get in you, people can't tell the difference because I am your personal God and not just personal, but I'm holy. I am, I don't make mistakes. I am not flawed. I am not a God that made a mistake and I got to go back and fix it and call the, I am the holy one of what? of Israel and I am not the savior I am your savior so when you are going in over your head I will be with you when the waters get rough just know I'm rocking you a bit but you're not going down when you are between a rock and a hard place and you say Lord if I go to this school what's going to happen if I go to this school what's going to happen if I take this job if I go to this thing what's going to happen he says it's not a dead end I will decide for you and I will make my way plain when the agency tells you no. When the real estate market looks like it's going to crash, when your cousin got a house for 100000 and the one you want is 700000 I am God. I'm God. I am the first. I am the last. I am your personal bravery. Do you know who, do you understand who I am? He said, I paid a huge price. Look at somebody and say huge. Huge. No way. He paid for you. He paid for you. He paid for your mother's property. He paid for you. It's already been paid. Oh, he said, look, even in Egypt, I will take down Cush and Saber. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I what? Love you. Jarrell, I'd sell off the whole world just to get you back. I would trade all of creation for you. For you, Stephen. For you, Natalia. For you, Josh. You have to understand the power you walk in. So you don't come up to people begging for an open door? I have him as my personal God, Sister Clara. You talk to your children and you declare what you want them to be. Everything I need is paid for. Everything this church needs is paid for. Yes, we had a rough year, but God was pruning us. He created Hallel Chapel. Then he did what? He's forming you. So I had to put you guys behind the Van Nuys Airport in the dark, in a cubicle with people talking about you. I had to put you in the back where two people showed up, three people, and I want you to worship like it's 2,000 people here. Can you do that for a year? Yes, Lord, because this is the completion of all the necessary seasons in your life in order for you to be the church, to be who I called you to be, for me to prune and weed out the people that were walking against you, walking right there with you, but working against you. God is saying, I am the one. I am the one. I am the one. Do you know how much I love you? I love it. In 43, he said, verse 11, verse 15, verse 25, even I, even I, I am the Lord. I am the Holy One, Stephanie. I am you. There's no other Savior but me. I am the one, in verse 25, who blots out your transgressions and cancels your assignments, not for your sake, but for mine, says God, because you carry my name. You have to know who he is. And when you really get a picture, Kenny, of who God is, Man, I tell you, you walk, you, 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 I was on a date with this guy one time. We were walking into a restaurant and I was walking and I started walking in front of me and it was a door and I just kept walking. He ran in front of me and pushed the door open. He said, you aren't even going to stop. You just knew I was going to open the door for you. Either I'm with a gentleman or I'm not. So if I'm with a gentleman, I'm going to keep on walking. And if this was my test to see if you knew what to do, the door opened, didn't it? He said, well, yeah, okay. I'm going to wait for you to get a table. He said, I don't even know what to do with you. Then you're not the one. You're not the one. You're not the one. You're not the one. 
You're not the one. Mommy didn't even know. She prophesied it to me. When I told her what she said, she started crying. She called me in my 20s one night on the phone, and she said, the Lord said, you're going to be by yourself. The Lord said, before you get married, you're going to have to watch your friends get blessed over you. The Lord said, you're going to have to celebrate other people while you look overshadowed, while you look forgotten, while you look unloved. But God said, I have a man for you, and I will bless you at the right time. And she hung up the phone. She never believed it. So at my friend's wedding, I was sitting there. She said, you okay? You prophesied this to me five years ago. I'm going to roll through this. And now when I look back at that picture from my friend's wedding, Five of us in the picture. All four of them were married. They are all now divorced, and I'm the only one standing. The race is not given to the swift or to the strong, but to the one that endures till the end. If you fail the test, you take it again. If you get a no, you go knock on another door. You be Walt Disney, who knocked on 300 doors, talking about, I have a vision of a mouse in a tuxedo. Will you fund my vision? No. Okay, I'm going to go to the next verse. Hi, my name is Walt Disney. I have a vision of a mouse. And I was thinking Mickey and a little, you know, his wife, Min, well, she could be his wife, could be. I don't know. I haven't worked out all the details yet. But then there's a duck and Donald. Get out of my office with that foolishness. And now the biggest company that owns more company subsidiaries under it than anybody is what? Disney. Because one man knocked 300 times. I need a loan. I need a loan. And you got to go in there because you believe what God showed you. Yes, it's crazy. It's a mouse in a dress. But I believe God. <laughs> Not just in California. There's, a one in, there's one in Paris. There's one in Florida, California, China. You're trying to take this worldwide seriously? A mouse? Yes, it's going to employ thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. That's my vision. Doesn't make sense. But I am God. I am God. I'm the holy one. I'm the holy one. When they tell you no, you get up and say, ooh, thank you. Because if you would have said yes, I would have been in the wrong place. Thank you, Lord. I celebrate my rejection. I celebrate it because I know God. I know him. I know him. I know God. And you know him in that created moment where you're standing between your Jacob and your Israel. And you're like, Lord, I don't know who I'm going to become. I can't see it. And God is like, it's not for you to see. It's just not for you to see. But I know the plans. I know the plans. I know the plans. You got to hold out, Jarrell. You got to ride this thing out. You got to ride it out. You got to ride this thing. You got to ride it out, Stephanie. If you're on one wheel, you got to keep on rolling, even if you're just rolling in circles. I, I got one wheel. That's all God needs. God said, I will be your wheel in the middle of a wheel. I will get you to where you need to be. I am God. I'm God. I'm God. I am the great creator. See, you are a, cre you know, you know, you are a creator of a video, of a song, lowercase c, but God is the great creator. He knows you, Stephen. He knows you. He knows you, Mother Palmer. He knows you. He knows where you're going, Nicole. And you got to anchor in that. You got to anchor in it, Ortiz. He knows your mother. He knows your father. He knows you. He knows you. Oh, that we would just know that he knows us. If we could just start there. Just raise your hand right now. And just say, I know that you know me. And that's enough. I know that you know me, Lord. I know that you know me, Lord. I know that you know the plans you have for me. Even in my captivity, even in my bondage, you know, Lord. You know my parents. You know the mistakes. You know it all. And you still redeem. You know my secrets. I get nervous when I run into certain people because they may know something about me that I don't want anybody else to know. But you are the keeper of my secrets. God, you know me. And I'm full of gratitude. I'm, I'm full and overflowing. I'm grateful that I'm Israel. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. If you... The great king of kings, 
and the Lord of Lords, the one who was there in the beginning before the world was framed. You already went to Calvary, so we're just watching a playback version of what has already taken place in the world. If you are that God who's so mighty, but you came as a baby, you came in a manger to say there is no low point with me. Because even in a manger, kings came. Even in a manger, with a donkey as my heater, wise men traveled across the world. That's who I am. So how about you? How about you? Lord, just, if that's you right now, say, Lord, I thank you for failure. Mm. Come on, thank him for it. Thank him for it. Thank you. I couldn't be called. If you call me Israel and I stay Jacob, I won't be able to answer you. So I had to fail as Jacob to become who I am. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that today in my prayer area, the prayer request page taped to the wall was so full. And the answer page was so skimpy and empty. But you told me, look at all the space I have to be God in your life. Look at all these empty lines. Look at all the things you're going to be able to fill in. Because I'm God. And I know already. You don't have to know a thing. Stand to your feet right now and just get a glimpse. Can you, could you minister to someone? Can you look at them and just grab their hand and say, the promise is still the promise. Even still, even still, Steph, the promise is still a promise. God is not going to let his name go down. Say still, still, still. Still, KJ, still Christian. Still, Zandra, Natalia, still, still. The promise is still a promise. I'm willing to go down, believe in God. I'm willing to go down, believe in God. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to go down, Marshall. I'm going down, believe in God. Still, 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 still. You go, I'm like inside out where they had to drag sadness around. Drag me, but I am going with you. Drag me, but just make sure you drag me over the finish line. Because I'm believing God till the end. I'm believing God. I'm believing God in the big things and the little things. When we first met in this hotel, I had a dream the following week that we showed up here one day and it was too many people to fit in the room. And we were in the lobby trying to figure out what would we do because we could not fit in this room. And then we left and I said, God, why did I have this dream? He said, you think I'm done? And I never thought we'd come back here. And God says, there is a deposit with your name on it. So everything that we just went through corporately together, people coming and going, people not coming, this thing, that thing, we're going to celebrate together. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to celebrate. I can't wait. I'm going to shout now. And you know what God does? He does little things just to remind you. We came to this hotel. The ladies came to the hotel yesterday. We were in the lobby. And this woman overheard us talking about Isaiah 43. She was at the elevator and came back and just started listening and just started bawling, just crying. And later on, I saw her in the hotel. And she said, I just needed to. I'm from Ohio, but I needed to hear that. Before I walked out, the front desk lady asked me, can you just pray with me? I usually pray. We have to be here. We have to be here. We have to be here. So I thank God that we're full. I thank God that we're a team. I thank God if I win, that means you win. Because God, if he's pouring it in this house, you're going to get the overflow. And I thank him for that. I thank him for that. I 
thank him for that. I'm excited about who you're going to be in 2016. I see your faces. I see visiting the OA's new house. I see you not having enough boxes to put. I see you. I see you. I see the weddings. I see the babies. I see the, the, the scholarships for our children. I see um, Naila going overseas. I see it. I see it in my seer, if that is a thing. I see it. I see what I see. I see what I see. So, Father, right now, bless, grab a hand of someone. And we're going to anoint this place for 2016. Even if you're just a visitor, every time you come in here, you're going to put your foot, you're stepping in honey. And honey is stick, step in the honey. And just get stuck and just say, I'm going home and I still got a trail of honey, milk and honey. Step in the honey. Kai, you're going to be at the exact school. You couldn't even leave last night because God had to put this word in you. So that when that coach calls you, you're going to say, I am exactly where I need to be. So we're going to get the honey. We're going to get the honey on us. And we're going in to 2016 anointed by God. God said in 2016, Team Hallel, it's going to be about community. It's going to be community. There's going to be a community built. And so, Father, when we come into this room, we declare it and we decree because of the mantle on our life that anyone who comes in here will step into the milk and honey overflow. We declare that the grapes are so big that it's going to take three of us just to carry the fruit of what God will do. We may be small, but oh God, you see us where we're going and we are mighty through God. We are mighty through God and strongholds will be poured down. They will be pulled down. We say it is so. Deliverance will take place in this room. Our children will still grow in this hotel. We will grow in this hotel. You will bless us indeed in this hotel. You will expand this room to bless this church. And we thank you, Lord. We will not leave until you decree and you bring to pass everything that you spoke over us. Anyone attached to us is blessed. Our worship is blessed. Our preaching is blessed. There is drip. Our words drip with confirmation. They, I'm speaking it done now. We have tithers. Our people have more than enough. They don't just tithe, but they give over and above. You are blessing us indeed and enlarging our territory. We are a blessing to this community. Schools will be blessed because of us. We will look back and say, remember when we only blessed one school? And now the, school board, the schools in this community depend on us to give and to bless them. Teachers will be blessed. Principals are blessed. Hotel owners are blessed. Business owners are blessed because where we are, we are like we are like Joseph Joseph was Potiphar was blessed because Joseph was working for him and he was in his atmosphere so we declare that people around us will have overflow they will get extra money they will get just be blessed in incomparably our children will have the highest test scores they can and they will we reverse the curse now now God now now whoever we invite will be blessed because you are putting a new you, a new us, a new church in this room. We are not who we were. So you said, go back the way you came and let a trail of honey fall behind you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Now let's just, let's prepare an offering right now. Let's, let's prepare. <laughs>